hello, and welcome to The Waiting Room, a podcast that shines a light on the ever-growing Medicaid waitlist and unmet needs of people with intellectual and other developmental disabilities in North Carolina. Join us as we focus on this issue, educate, inform, and build a community along the way. I'm an award-winning motivational speaker, activist, and your host, Kenneth Kelty. Today, I have a a very special guest for this episode, Dr. Pat Porter, former chief of DD Services and senior policy advisor to the NC General Assembly, is here to talk about the DSP crisis, the history of the DSP crisis, and what we can do to help. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Pat. Uh, Thank you, Kenneth. Um, I appreciate you inviting me to this uh, discussion. I think um, our crisis with the direct support personnel Uh, is about at the top of the list for things that we need to consider. And I have some ideas about uh, what we need to do. So if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. Okay, yes, thank you. Yes, the first question will be, how have you seen changes in the roles of DSPs? Historically at institutions, there would be more than one person taking care of more than they could handle. And now there is usually more than one professional helping as needed. Yes, you're right. Many years ago, we didn't have the kind of coverage in the institutions that we do today. Uh, Now there are many direct support personnel um, available to serve smaller groups of people. And by direct support personnel, I mean paraprofessionals. These folks do the real work and they are essential. They do difficult jobs, but very fulfilling jobs. I used to be a DSP many, many years ago. So I know the, uh, the difficulty and constraints, but also the fulfillment of the jobs. So, um, Uh, In addition to having more DSPs to cover the needs of fewer groups of people, you have to remember that in the institutions, there are all kinds of staff. We have 24-hour medical staff, have uh, 24-hour nursing, uh, all the allied health professions, OTs, PTs, speech-language pathologists, nutritionists. So they are there to support the DSPs. The, the big issue, I think, for us today is the difference between the institutional DSPs and those individuals, DSPs, who go into the homes. Because, as you know, that's a one-to-one situation. Uh, there's an individual who lives at his home or in a home of his own, and uh, one DSP takes care of everything, takes care of all needs, and depending upon the individual and what he or she needs, there could be a DSP that's there from like seven to three, another one that comes in from three to 11, 
and a third one that comes in from 11 to 7. But what I'm saying is it's really uh, a different situation since you don't have backup staff. And those are the folks that we're paying close attention to right now. Right, yes, thank you. Now, how can we change the DSP role, meaning like career paths that can learn more about the lifespan and then become more professional instead of sort term and where would you say it should what would it be developed what would be in need of developing a curriculum you make a, a very good points and you ask a very good question right now the direct support personnel aren't very well regarded you know they're seen as uh, not as important as some professional staff and yet what we know for sure is without the direct support personnel to deliver the service, we don't have any services. So regardless of whether you bring a bunch of people off the waiting lists or you um, uh, change individuals from institutional care to in-home care, you have to have the direct support personnel or you can't deliver the services. So how do we um, raise the status of those individuals. First thing that I would say would be that we need to have a standard curriculum. Right now, there's not uh, much of a required um, status for those individuals. It would be really great if we said, this is the standard curriculum that every DSP must have. Following that, um, I think the curriculum and the, the progress through the curriculum needs to be tied to wages. If you are a person who follows the direct curriculum, if you're certified as having uh, finished that, or if you have specialized curriculum, that your pay is associated with that. Following that up, you know, we need to have um, uh, a focus on career paths. You mentioned that. So right now, if you come in at the bottom level, you stay at the bottom level. There's no way for you to progress and become a supervisor or become anything other than that direct support staff. And I think we need to have a career ladder. If you've got more experience, if you have more training, you get to move up that career ladder. Um, uh, I think where to start, I think it's with the curriculum, but it has to be required, and that requirement has to come from the Department of Health and Human Services, but I think that's the way we start, because that leads to the career path. All right, yes, that was all very well said. Now, how do you see opportunities for people with lived experience, either being the ones directing how to LME, LMCOs, approach their clients or becoming mentors? Um, I would like to see more of that. Uh, I think those with lived experience can bring uh, a rich and uh, expansive um, contribution to in-home support and especially supporting the DSPs and helping with the training, actually. Um, right now, the LME MCOs have a, a service 
that is certified for something called peer support, which is what you're talking about. Uh, people with lived experience uh, being an integral part of the delivery of services. Now, that's been very useful for those with mental illness, those who are suffering um, substance abuse disease, but it hasn't been widely used for people with intellectual and other developmental disabilities. And I think we've got a ways to go for that to happen. Now, a new service category has been introduced. <clears throat> you know that we're changing care management in our state. And there's a, a new category called care management extender. And that person can be an individual with lived experience. Um, that would be a very interesting job to be working directly with the care manager, that person who coordinates all services for an individual. And that's going to be available as soon as care management is implemented which, by the way, uh, was supposed to start December 1st. So that's exciting. I think, yeah, that is going to be very exciting to see. Now, how do you see more funding involving the pay DSPs more? That is the essential question from what I'm uh, thinking. Um, as you may know, I've been working as an advisor to a group a group called DSP Work Group, and that's comprised mostly of families, individuals with IDD, and some other experts, but it's led by the families and individuals with IDD. We investigated uh, how we can help the crisis, the DSP crisis, and we found the number one issue that is keeping us from being able to recruit and maintain DSP staff is wage, is wage. Um, you may not know this, but the, uh, the wage, the uh, average wage of a person serving an individual with IDD in the home is $11.50. That's the lowest wage of any DSP or support personnel in our state. Give you an example. The DSPs who work in the state DD centers make $18 an hour. That's quite a difference. So one of the things that this group has been, been doing is trying to convince the department and the General Assembly that we need to turn this around. If we are going to have an adequate workforce, we need to make sure that people are provided a living wage and they're not right now. So we've gotten the ear of the General Assembly and the department, and I think they now recognize how important increased wages are. And uh, we have a pretty strong commitment that what we'll be able to do in the upcoming session of the General Assembly that begins in January is to get a $3 per hour increase that's not enough. So we believe what will happen in the short session that begins the following year is that we uh, can get another $3. That will bring us at least closer to the eight, uh, $18 an hour, or $8 an hour, and that $18 an hour, sorry, and that is equal to what the DSPs make in the institutions. 
And that's our goal right now. But in addition to that, we want to assure that DSPs providing services in the community get benefits. Right now, they don't. You know, they don't get health care support. They don't get retirement. They don't get any of that. Some don't. Some do. We want to make sure that everybody gets benefits if that's what they want. The third thing is that we want there to be a cost of living increase. Every year, the cost of every year since I can remember, and I've been around a long time, there's been a cost of living increase. That is um, that people working in all different kinds of jobs get to have their pay increase just based on the standard amount that people make and the standard amount that the budget uh, is able to provide. We want that for every DSP so that we're not going to stop with $18 an hour. What we're going to do is to have an expected cost of living increase every year after that. We think that that's going to solve a major problem because if we can get the wages up, then we can do the other things we talked about. Training, uh, curriculum that's standard, and a career ladder. And that will change not only the livelihood of our important and essential DSPs, but it will change their status. You know, they won't be coming into a short time job, they'll be entering into profession. And that makes all the difference in the world. I've gone to a story of that, Pat, that. <laughs> that DSPs need to be more professionalized and that because since even though they're not always working in a clinical setting, they are essential since they're helping people with, with, with even doing something as simple as getting out of bed or community living, they That's do fine. need to be paid. They do need to be paid so, as well since they are basically doing the work of a certified nursing assistant or higher. You make a very good point, Kenneth. That's exactly right. I'll give you an example of the distinction, the spread between what others make and what our folks make. I said a minute ago that the average uh, salary, average wage for our DSPs who go into homes and like you said, do everything from getting people out of bed to getting them dressed, to provide them support into community integration. Uh, to You know, they do a lot of teaching. They teach folks how to cook. They teach folks uh, uh, proper ways to eat. Uh, they do a broad uh, array of services, essential services. Now, 11.50 an hour, to, to all of us, seems like a very low salary. Let me tell you how low it is compared to other uh, groups. Uh, folks at McDonald's, folks working in grocery stores, uh, those staff make anywhere from $15 to $18 an hour, sometimes more than that. And we think that the job that our DSPs do is certainly more essential than that. Um, and so that distinction sometimes makes it very clear uh, how important it is to increase those wages. Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. I would agree with that too. And, and if you have to, and 
DSPs also are people that are helping people out with personal care. And it's a lot for the individual and for the provider agency to have to train new DSPs like every three months or less than a year to work with a person. So it would be nice where it could be like longer terminal benefits. You know what? The average turnover rate is 50%. That means that every DSP that starts in this job and they get trained and they're up to doing the work, 50% of those people leave, some after the first month, some after six months. And your point is a good one. We put a lot of time and energy and the families do. Families do some of the most important training put a lot of time and energy into those folks only to have them leave. And many of them leave because they're going to a job that pays higher wages. So we got to stop that too. We have to reward those folks for doing the essential job that they do. And right now we're not doing a very good job of that. Uh, Kenneth, do you, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think we're I think we're pretty good. I know there's a lot we could talk about. Uh, like well too, but yeah, I think we've covered a lot of great points, huh? Maybe I can come back another time and we can talk about other things that contribute to this. But like I said, the important message is if you don't have direct support personnel to deliver the services, then you don't have any services. It's as simple as that. And so we have to make them uh, understand how essential they are by wages, by curriculum, and by career ladder. So we can talk about any of those things <laughs> for a long time. Thank you, Pat, for coming on the podcast and spending time with us today. And my pleasure, Kenneth. People at McDonald's and Amazon are making more right now than 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 DSPs do on average. We we need we need to professionalize DSPs, have there be a career ladder and and health insurance to maintain them. For for right now, there is there is no ladder to supervisor you're so at, at level one as a dsp until next time i'm your host kenneth kelty and this was the waiting room <laughs> <laughs>